welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christian. I'm your host, Michael Tabor. And I'm Zachary Allard. And uh, we're doing something we haven't done in a while here at the podcast. Uh, you know, Have, give you a give you a good episode. <laughs> well, no promises there. <laughs> uh, in that sense, we will continue to deliver our bullshit. We're like McDonald's, you know, like uh, it's not good, but it's consistent and it's cheap. Uh, and it's not consistent, and it is free in our case. <laughs> Arguably, we, Michael, we were literally we were literally off last week. And That's like, true. No, we're, no, we're not. We're not always that consistent. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to spend uh, today checking in on uh, some of our favorite people. You know, just people that we really love and respect. People that are bringing the change we need to see in the world. Uh, Joe Manchin and Joseph Robinette Biden. The the uh, the two most powerful men in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, the one most and... powerful man in the world, and then the president. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we haven't done a more political episode in a bit. I mean, uh, we are always talking about the political implications of the evangelical bullshit we discuss. But uh, you know, once Bernie went down, and uh, we just saw the hellscape stretching out before us. Uh, there wasn't that much specifically to say, but I think it is time for a check-in because there's been some some sea changes, some shifts in the messaging of the Democrats that I think are going to, uh, how should we say this, uh, be not very good for the future of our country and uh, the health and safety of black people in, in that country. Uh, so we're going to be we checking in. Go ahead. No, no, I was like, can you imagine the Democrats doing better messaging than they had been before? <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to fathom, really. Uh, how do you how do you improve on shoot him in the leg? I don't understand. I don't I that's that's I, the I, apex. I, I still I still can't get over I still can't get over the guy that had like eighty plus black support was his solution for police shootings was shoot him in the leg. Like I'm not really blaming the black community, but that is just such a strange reality. Like, it's almost like consent <laughs> is manufactured. It's just, how did we end up here? How did we end up here? <laughs> the, 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 that's going to be the ending of the podcast. It's just Zach and I wailing, rending sackcloth and ashes, just crying. D dude, we are supporting the sackcloth industry by ourselves oh, at yeah. this point. Holding I go through up. like... I go I go through thousands of yards a year at this point. <laughs> they send it to you on a bolt. You just you just rip it off and go. Uh, I've got to start I've got to start making my own sackcloth. That's, that's all. That's true. Saying. That is absolute. That would be that's just efficiency right there, baby. <laughs> so we're going to be talking a little bit about Joe Manchin and a private uh, fundraising. Just kidding. They could never call it that. A uh, phone call he had uh, with. Uh, what is it? No labels. Uh, Lieberman's mm -hmm. centrist yes. Democrat and uh, conservative Republican uh, advocacy group slash fundraiser slash we control, you know, the means of power in this nation. Uh, were you Look, talking? the word the word you're technically not allowed to say is cabal, but please go on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then we're going to get into uh, Democrats brand new, never before seen uh, desire to be tough on crime. And how that's playing out, not just. 
remember remember the dumbest little twitter people all the little pickroos just the stupidest idiotic people on twitter being like blue no matter who joe biden has changed who he was before doesn't mean that's who he's gonna be the i know he was super racist in the 80s and 90s and he was talking about you know being tough on crime and locking people up forever he's not gonna do that again he would never do that again he's almost 80 he can change people change i just i just want to let you know if you are i mean this this time if you're listening to this podcast delete this podcast i hate you you're an idiot (laughs) uh damn i guess i'll log off just kidding. Michael, <laughs> Michael, big Democrat. So there, there's a lot to get into here, but let let's start with Mansion, shall we? I think uh, yes. I, that leaked audio and the intercept article that we read about it, I think, was very revealing of some truths that we all know, but mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. often get to just peer behind the veil and see it happen. Uh, so Zach, why don't you take us through that phone call, the people involved, and uh, what the fuck is going on? So, it's a brief bit of context, which I hate giving, because then I have to, like, actually not be terrible. Mm. Um, But giving context, Manchin, our number one boy senator from West Virginia, has basically been like, we shouldn't help people vote. Racism is okay. And I like the filibuster, because it means nothing will happen. Uh, Those are more or less direct quotes. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, yeah, like... uh it's been really funny to see liberals freaking out about like mansion and cinema as if these people are anomalies in the democratic party like they just suddenly became aware that joe mansion a sentient pile of like oil and blood money (laughs) is like is a bad dude that's news that's brand new this wasn't something that uh the trillbillies guy was writing about in 2013 as a retrospective on an entire career of being awful like this is all this has all been known. This is all like this guy has been the Democratic Party uh, nearly as long as the other Joe we're talking about today. Uh, so yeah, it's very funny to see them freak out from who has ostensibly always been the core of what the Democrats are, uh, courting big yeah. money. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, Joe Biden announced his presidency basically at a Goldman Sachs party. I, don't, I can't remember who's exactly Goldman Sachs. It was a giant banking, you know, it was a fundraising event with bankers where he said nothing would change. Like, I just, I love, I love the surprise. I love, like you said, I just, are Democrats the dumbest people in the world? That's the thing I don't understand. Like, I think at this point, I've drifted far enough away from the liberal mind to be confused by it now. Yeah, I mean, uh the only thing I will say in defense of your average Facebook lib is that they are being uh, very effectively lied to at every turn by all the institutions we were trained to care about and believe had our backs in the fight for good things to happen in this country. Uh, and so, like, they, yes, yes, they are fools. Yes, you look at the material conditions of reality and it is so far from the fiction being peddled by this party. Right. But also, like, they're getting lied to just as effectively as the Fox News types every single day. But let's focus up mm, on this well group. Well said, well said, well said. Okay, so this— No Labels Group, Senator Joe, Joe Lieberman. Yeah, former, former Senator, Senator Joe Lieberman of Connecticut. Um, real one, Al Gore's running mate. A uh, guy who hated video games in the 90s. Yes, yes. And, Personal enemy. The man that tried to yeah. keep Grand Theft Auto out of my hands. Did, did you want to have a good time? Joe Lieberman was there to frown about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Joe, Joe <laughs> Lieberman single-handedly uh, cut all the LAN cables at my Halo party. 
Joe Lieberman was like Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. Excuse me, oh, sir. Shit. Oh, fuck. All right, we're going with the deep cuts. I love it. GameCube exclusive. More like good time, feeling all right. Uh, Honestly, let's, let's life go. in 2021 feels not unlike that game where my sanity meter has depleted and I'm just like books with fangs are flying off of bookshelves to bite me as I sleep. I walk through a room and suddenly it's surrounded in <laughs> corpses because that room is, you know, an internment center or a prison this past year. Uh, like it, it is it is shocking how on the nose that game was for uh, for just predicting the hell that we all just call reality now yeah that game was just like a time uh, it was just sent back from yeah. the future <laughs> our exactly present to like 2003 should you uh, I would, should you read the list of people that were on this call and in this group i should so anyway joe lieberman runs this group based basically a giant dark money group for lack of a better term that funnels high net worth donor money this is from the intercept to conserve democrats and moderate republicans um and, and the call included several billionaire invested investors and corporate executives. Among them, I'm reading directly from The Intercept now, Louis Bacon, chief executive of More Capital Management, Kenneth Tuckman, founder of global outsourcing company Teletech, Howard Marks, the head of Oak Tree Capital, one of the largest equity firms in the country. And the Zoom participant log included a dial-in from Tudor Investment Corporation, the hedge fund founded by billionaire Paul Tudor Jones, also president was a roster of heavy-hitting political influencers, including Republican consultant Ron Christie, Joe Lieberman, who serves as a representative of No Labels, and now advises corporate interests. Shocking. Media- Shocking that a Democratic <laughs> senator would get out the game and represent corporate interests. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Uh, what a, a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Like, uh, <laughs> private just, equity, just- global outsourcing company. Are there three more evil words? Yeah. That company literally exists to get your cousin in Ohio to t- steal his job and give him a handful of oxy. That's literally that's what it. they're that's, there that's for. That's the entire thing. Oh, by the way, uh, you have no health care, but we are going to give you this drug that you definitely won't become addicted to. Right. Uh, something, to ki- something to kill all of your pain. Who wouldn't want that? Can, can we just take a moment to appreciate how fucking absurd the name of this thing is? No labels, bro. Bro, I'm just, I'm just trying to stay away from labels, man. Like, like Fuckboy I mean, Inc. was so filled, beautiful. I guess. It's so funny. No labels is so funny. Like, like you're literally just, you might as well just name it not the bad guys, we probably. Like, yeah, yeah, It's yeah, so yeah. good. Um, so just as kind of a, uh, brief overview, the wide ranging conversation went in depth on the fate of the filibuster infrastructure negotiations and the failed effort to create a bipartisan commission to explore the January 6th storming of the Capitol. Yeah, um, this is, course, this it, is actually really ahead. interesting. The storming of the Capitol. So Manchin, who has been quite explicitly anti-filibuster reform, yes. anti-getting uh, rid of the filibuster, probably one of the voices that is going to ensure that the Democrats can't do the things that they claim they wanted to do, while obviously we know there's another six silent senators behind Manchin that would vote against it if they had to. Like, it's not happening. Oh, yeah, of course. This is not just Manchin. This is, this is the Democratic mandate. Uh, but he has sort of stepped into the forefront of both taking the flack and the support for it. Um, and he was sort of making this argument on this call that like, hey, uh, hedge, hedge fund capitalists, uh, what I need you to do 
is go talk to some Republicans, specifically mm-hmm. the ones that are about to retire. And he names like yes. uh, Roy or Blunt. Senator Roy Blunt. Roy Blunt, yeah. he says, is a great, just a good friend of mine, a great guy. Roy's retired. Yeah, love that dude. Love um, that dude. So this is his pitch. If some of you that may be working mm-hmm. with Roy in the right. future happen mm-hmm. to say to him, hey, it would be great if you voted on this thing. Get out of lockstep with the Republican Party uh, and like actually get this vote in for this bipartisan commission. That's going to help me. Now, why does it help Manchin? Because Manchin whole goal is to make it look like bipartisanship is still a thing so that he can he can shoot down any filibuster reform. Yeah, so, he needs he needs the symbolic vote mm-hmm. so that way he can block anything like infrastructure or voting rights. So he can go back and say, see, bipartisanship works. We just need to try harder, do better, make more compromises, and then we can get stuff done. So this is actually a case in which Manchin is arguing for something that uh, everything else he believes is a hyper-conservative interest, but he needs this symbolic thing to go his way, specifically so he can use it to derail progressive concerns. And he talks about it. He's like, we want to take an arrow out of the far left's quiver. They're going to point to this and say, we can't get anything done because the Republicans are all in lockstep. So we need to show them that we can if we compromise enough. And his means of doing that is to... Go talk to a bunch of dark money and ask them to just sort of hint at anything. Because obviously Mm -hmm. there are rules Mm -hmm. about these things. Zachary, we live in a nation of rules. Uh, (laughs) So they can't be like, hey, we'll give you high paying consulting jobs. Uh, If you vote this way, that would be a conflict of interest. But what they can do is exactly that just quietly. All they have to do is yeah. be like, hey, buddy, like, hey, we're friends. We want to hang out. Don't you want to hang with us at our cool clubs where we pay for everything after this? Don't you want to come by the pool, man? I would hate to not be at the pool sipping my ties with you. So probably you should just vote the way that this dark money group wants you to uh, because then things might go better for you in your future. It's pretty incredible that. I think there's something so powerful, obviously, and we've talked about this endlessly. We we know that this is how the world works, but there's something so beautiful in terms of, like, it's pure evil. And beyond that, like, so telling, so clear. Like, you have a senator, presumably, in, in a normal good country, the person that is actually making all these calls on behalf of their constituents. Mm-hmm. But actually what you see is a senator going to the people with the real power and asking them for help. He's asking the people that actually run America to do him a solid with and control this other senator. All you see is an employee asking for help from his bosses with another employee. Yep. It is comically clear. It, it is like, It is just, le- hey, hey, you guys can lean on him, right? But like nicely, like with some bribes <laughs> without saying it. Like, I think it's, he told donors he hoped to make another run at it to prove that comedy is not lost, uh, mm-hmm. C-O-M-I-T-Y. Um, he noted Sat, he noted Pat Toomey missed the vote. Um, and he's like, you know, I need, I need to go back. I need to find three more Republican. Yeah, he's Republican basically saying senators. like, hey, I'm close. If I can get this thing that won't matter done, then I can use that to really shoot down filibuster reform. He also kind of interestingly hints that he's a little more open to like, 
minor reforms of the filibuster than he has publicly stated. And The Intercept does a good job of tracing these private comments to donors against his public stance of being like totally against it and for it. So at the same time, he's having these conversations being like, eh, maybe we can talk about 55 votes instead of 60 or like, eh, maybe we can mm -hmm. talk about a thing. He's really into the idea that if someone wants to filibuster, they have to have people down on the floor. Like, yeah, the sort of the talking filibuster. Yeah, like he's big into that. So like these minor reforms that he's hinting at being open to in this group, but then he's going public and being like, no, absolutely not. Can't do it. Which, again, I don't really care about which terrible thing you believe, except for the fact sure. that you, again, we see you lying to the American people, doing op-eds in fucking the Charlotte Gazette to like take a stand on something that behind closed doors you don't actually like care about the same way. Because uh, he knows what he needs to do to look strong and to get the sort of conservative Democrat mm. and Republicans mm. on his side. And then he also knows what he actually needs, the power he actually needs to maintain to continue to derail all of these bills. And he knows that 55 and 60 don't matter, that talking filibuster won't matter, but it gives him the out to be like, hey, I supported these reforms. Uh, but we can't just abolish it. We can't get rid of it. That would be crazy. Because, like, it, I think what I love about the all of that sort of minutia, right, with the Senate, is that, like, ultimately, as long as it kind of tips along Manchin's vote, it's fine. He can yeah. still call his bosses. He knows you know, exactly get, where to put the fulcrum on that so that he is still the decider. Yeah. And so I think... The call also, I don't know how much time we want to spend on it, but it also featured a lengthy discussion about campaign money. Yes, um, I think that's worth digging into a little bit, especially because uh, this call was happening from inside Manchin's office. We know this because he's on a Zoom call and we can see his fucking yeah. office. You can't you talk stupid about campaign plug. finance inside your office on Capitol Hill. You can't talk about fundraising. You can't talk about donations. The idea is mm -hmm. that when you're there, uh, you have to be doing the work for the people. Now, keep in mind that this means that most most of these senators keep a space just off campus so mm. that they can have their own office where they do. As he says, he's like, hey, people are doing four hours of calling for fundraising a day the entire time they're in the house. Like, Oh, yeah. And he specifically says that to say that's the power of these dark money, global capital right. like, things is that we can take some of that pressure off them if they do what we want. And just to be clear, this group is passionately supportive of the filibuster. They don't want that oh, yeah. to go away in any form. So, like, they are grilling him to see how strong he is on the filibuster because they want him to be very, very strong on it. Right. And, and, and I mean, they talk explicitly. They, they, they get into dollars and cents. They, they say, um, as for members of Congress, is quoting um one of the one of the people on the call one of the fine one of the billionaire peoples uh as far as the members of congress i mean we did five over five hundred thousand dollars for brian fitzpatrick which took us two weeks to put together jacobson said on the call um yeah he also talks about 20 million that in hard, in hard dollars that they're going to be putting that, in this cycle which means that the congress person can directly control it yeah instead it's of not it being super packs buying super ads it is money in the hands of candidates and you see them, like, talking about employees. I think this is important. They talk on this call about it. Think about joining the House. Uh, you're there for 730 days unless you pick up the leap year. Maybe you get 731, said Bursky. And like you said, in the mass majority of those days, you're spending four hours on the phone dialing for dollars. And they say, so it's powerful. And there's no question that we have had and we continue to have an impact. It's just there. 
They're just saying it. Yeah, they they are reifying the thing that they then they all go in public and say, no, 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 this is democracy. This is democracy. This is voting. This is just what the people want. But behind closed doors, they are more than happy to say, yeah, we're the ones in power here. We're the ones in control. We're the ones funding these candidates. They have to listen to us or they have to go beg all the time. And no one wants to do that. Yep. And so like, and so they are also these, so these people who basically have Congress working for them are also against many elements of the infrastructure bill. And you can probably guess the ones that, you know, would they would care about anything that involved the tax hikes to pay for things like electric vehicles, transportation, research, workforce development, manufacturing, community based care for the elderly and disabled. Shocking. Manchin talked at length about paring back the initiative. Yeah, which, again, <laughs> is what happened. That number kept yeah. going down. Uh, yeah, until it, until it essentially doesn't exist now. Yeah, no, Until it essentially doesn't exist. I think we're at, what, what, what did it pass at? 1.2, 1.3 over I mean, a has, number of years? Has it, even, has it even passed? Oh, yeah, you're right. I think they just reached an agreement. You're right. It hasn't passed. They, re- they reached an agreement. agreement. I thought it was $800 billion, I think, and... I think Bernie said he wasn't even willing to do that unless they had another one lined up to go. And if I recall, there were also parts of it that were being funded not by taxes, but by selling off parts of public infrastructure to private interests, which is obviously evil as shit. Yeah, $579 billion uh, infrastructure deal for Biden and senators, uh, which is around half of the thing that was already far too small. Yeah. Uh, and and snipped out many of the environmental uh, sort of yeah, which is where all this money b- comes attempts. from. And Manchin's whole yeah. thing has always like you know he's a West Virginia guy. He protects coal. He protects uh, yeah. uh, against any sort of attempt to uh, do more sustainable and uh, power. Like that is he has been in the pocket of big oil and 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 coal mines oh, yeah. his entire career. Uh, and so this is this is his bread and butter, man. Keeping environmental change from happening or environmental regulations that would make lives better. And I don't know. None of this is going to save our planet. Let's be clear. We're talking about a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. But, like, even that has to be nickel and dimed, pared down, uh, run around. And he got what he fucking wanted. Biden had to come to the table and, and, like, strip out a ton of the shit in that bill in order to get this agreement. Because, as we've said, bipartisanship works. Yeah. And I, you know... Bernie has his moments, good and bad at this point, uh, being more in the Democratic machine. But I don't think he's going to let it pass, which I think is to his eternal credit. Like I don't, I, it looks like, and we'll see. He might, he might back down. It looks like he, for now, is basically saying we're not doing this shitty bill. Uh, so we'll see, because then he's not giving them the the political win. Yeah. Uh, so they yeah. have to do something more, which is smart. So anyway, they complain a lot about how the private sector should do it because they're all a bunch of ghouls. Um, yeah, I think he's like, we didn't. This is Mansion talking. He's like, we didn't yeah. build gas stations for the Model T. So, like, I don't know why we're trying to fund electric vehicle refilling stations. Uh, Keep in mind that one of the reasons Tesla has been so successful is because they have privatized these refilling stations under their own, you know, branding and stuff and made it harder for other vehicles to access them. Yeah, and not to totally steal Trunon swag here, but, like, uh, go listen to their their uh, recent series about Tesla and more importantly Tesla wouldn't exist if it basically wasn't for public private vouchers so oh, yeah. fuck off Joe man yeah I mean te- Tesla you know in all of its like it, it's essentially a company that exists to you know pour public money into private interests 
Yep, that's it. And, and, and basic... And Manchin just wants to offer low-interest loans and tax incentives for the private sector to build out infrastructure. And that's kind of all you need to know. Yeah. That's kind of all yeah. you need to know. Uh, he wants to sell our shit to a bunch of billionaires. He wants to that's take it. your money, put it in the hands of the people that have all the rest of your money, and say, see, we're making things better. That's it. He, he wants to... The, you own the roads. He wants... To give those to the billionaires and then have the billionaires charge you to use them, essentially. But that for everything. For everything. Uh, the last thing and, I have to say about this article yes. is that there are a bunch of statements from the people involved. And almost all of them revolve around the idea that this was not a fundraising call. Even though they're mm -hmm. explicitly discussing funding, they're explicitly talking about what their funding can do and accomplish, mm -hmm. how much they can raise, who they should support. All of these things are being discussed openly. But because Joe Manchin didn't say, give me personally money, that is the cover that they needed <laughs> to be like, oh, no, 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 it wasn't fundraising. It was just a discussion about fundraising. Come on. Be reasonable. I mean, I'll never get over, and we can probably move on soon, but yeah. I'll never get over that, like... It's it's always been funny to me, even before I was like a starry-eyed communist. Uh, it's been it's always been funny to me that like we have the biggest economy in the world, the United States bureaucracy, one of the the biggest one of the biggest employers in the world. I think maybe the biggest still, and, and just enormous, right? Like this this multi-trillion-dollar behemoth. But wouldn't you know it, the people at the top of it, the people that run it, are just allowed to get funding. They're just allowed to get, like, checks from people. You don't call them bribes. They're just they're just allowed for random interested parties to, like, here's $50,000. And for some reason, Congress people running the biggest economy in the fucking world, at the most powerful country, have to spend a ton of their time fundraising. Isn't that weird? It's almost, you think we could afford not to do that. But for some strange reason, that's just the system that that's just how it is and it's just it's so nonsensical on its face right like it's so like you know you talk you hear from white people talking about going to the third world like africa and shit being like yeah you have to bribe people everywhere you go and it's like oh yeah i wonder what that would be like like yeah, it's just, you yeah, know it's, yeah. it's, it's that sounds you know I mean? so different i just it it is so nakedly obviously stupidly corrupt and it just you know you it, it it you you talk about it so you're blue in the face and no one cares. People care, just not the people that matter to this conversation. Yeah, no. yeah. well, yeah, that's true. People care, but but it doesn't matter. But we're all <laughs> we're all powerless. We're, we are a nation of podcasters. Oh man, come on, dude! Those are the worst people. <laughs> I hate podcasters. I, they, we as we said it many times. Fuck every single podcaster. Uh, anyone <laughs> that has ever talked into a microphone for any reason, honestly. Yeah, so this isn't news, but I th it caught my eye, and, yeah, and well, we, we again, talked about it a lot. We know this is how it works, of but course. we don't always get to just see it play out. And there are you just so the, the many things it connects to, uh, so many failures of neoliberalism, so many of the evils mm -hmm. of capitalism, just not only naked and apparent, but assumptions. Assumptions, like right. things right. that are just present. Of course, of course, these things that these people will deny till they're blue in the face in the public sphere are just... Mm -hmm. Just, hey, we all know how this works the second they hop on a call together. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I would really like, I would really like poor people to take some lessons from this kind of shit. Uh, solidarity, class solidarity above all. Yeah, I mean, fucking billionaires have class solidarity all day long. Yep. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, 
that's what it is, Michael. You said it right. Like we know this is how it works, but sometimes seeing the transcripts is just it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a window. It is. You, you it may is. not. You, you may know there is a man-eating tiger on the other side of that window, but seeing it's another thing. Are are we recording from a zoo? What's happening here? It's it's, it's a metaphor. I don't. What's a metaphor? Joe Man Joe Manchin eats babies. It's not a <laughs> that is not a metaphor. <laughs> that's that's literally true. Yeah, Joe Manchin has killed has hunted men for sport. No parody. <laughs> I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, those weren't men, but yes. <laughs> Okay, so moving on to the second in our tale of two Joes. Uh, (laughs) We got a title, yes. (laughs) We're going to get even more upsetting. And and, as we were putting this together, uh, these stories don't connect except for all the ways in which they do. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Like they are, one is a story about you know campaign finance, dark money, blah de blah. The other is a story mm-hmm. about uh, Democrats getting really into police. Shocking, but like <laughs> I think the two of them together are stronger than than they are separate because it really just paints a picture between what is yep. happening behind closed doors and the way uh, messaging is being shaped in real time to make our world worse. Uh, so maybe mm. a little background here. This has all sort of come to the head in the past week. This like what has been you know a democratic project of the last year and even more specifically the last, you know, 30 years. Uh, But with Eric Adams taking, at least for the current time, a fairly substantial lead in the New York mayoral race. It is mayoral, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. With Eric Adams taking, at least at this moment, a substantial lead in the New York mayoral race, we have this moment where the Democrats are kind of coalescing around some new messaging regarding crime and police. And this is something that Mm. has been in the works for a long time. It started with, uh, I think, immediate as soon as the protests started, they started working on their messaging after the. Michael, I I think arguably it started in 1865. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could say this is this is the 94 crime bill. This is the founding of our country. Like this has always been here for sure. But but please, but But please, specific turn between Democrats giving a lot of lip service to the idea of defunding the police, the fact that despite the fact that largely police have in no way been defunded. Uh, of course not. But this narrative started to come out that like, oh, defunding the police is toxic messaging for us. You saw this play out in a conversation we talked mm-hmm. about on the podcast after the election in 2020, where conservative Democrats hopped on the mic to be just so mad that this police messaging had damaged their chances, despite the fact that progressive candidates fared way better in the election than uh, more like centrist Democrats. Uh, oh, but, yeah. but these people that were being given tons of money by the Democratic apparatus and still ate shit uh, are doing what Democrats always do, blaming progressives. And now we have this mayoral race where Eric Adams, a former cop, a black former cop, is taking the lead on a tough on crime message and saying, I am the face of the Democratic Party. I Briefly, I do love... I love, just for a brief second, like, this is not even about all the shit we're going to get into that he's evil about. I love that, like, you haven't won an election. Yeah, yeah, you this have... hasn't even happened yet, bro. In a city that, like, honestly doesn't really reflect American politics that frequently. Like, New York's politics, like, I think anybody who lives there would say, are, like, very bizarre and parochial and distinct and, and stupid. And, you know, they, and they, they have a very, it's a very strange city. And... Uh, but he doesn't win an election and just immediately loses his fucking mind. Is immediately like super saiyaning, like, I am the face of the Democratic Party. It's like, 
Dude, you haven't even won a mayor mayor election. What the fuck are you talking about? In his defense, He's, Zachary. You're a psycho. <laughs> in his defense, he is not the first black cop to a, a reach high levels in the Democratic Party. All right. That's a, you know what? He might not but, be totally wrong. But if it but sounds a little he ridiculous might be, to He you, might be the first one to win an election in a minute. Ayo. Uh, so... As he's saying this, you might think, oh, this is like a mayoral race in, in one state. What are you talking about? Biden and his press secretary hop on the mic to be like, fuck, yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> and they unveil a, a new focus, a, a shift to sea change, a, a change up a strategy being like, we need more police. And there were a lot of things that came out in these press releases. He talked about how, like, hey, we've given, uh, I think it was $350 billion that we have given to uh, all across the nation to help deal with this COVID crisis. Use that money for cops. And this is all in response to something that we should, we should talk about, which is that there has been a rise in violent crime in the past year. Mm -hmm. uh, there has been a lot of hay made by, of this by basically every politician. Conservatives have run on it very heavily, talking about failed Democratic-run cities, you know, tons of stuff. This has been a major talking point. Every time you turn on CNN, every single time, there's some police union admin guy talking about how crime is spiking, it's so violent, it's so dangerous. And we should acknowledge there has been an increase in violent crime. Now, and, sure. and those statistically, when you see like, oh, 44% in this city, that can sound quite alarming. And it is. Violent crime is bad. This is a hot take. Uh, my, my, Michael's against violent crime. Whatever, bitch. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important to say that we're talking about a, a spike in violent crime after multiple decades of severely falling violent, violent yeah, crime. Histor historic lows basically Absolute every year close uh so like what we're talking about is not an increase to anything like the danger that most of these cities have experienced mm. in their past but a significant increase from what it was before at an all-time historic low or not necessarily all-time but at a very low no, uh, they, crime they rate. were basically historic lows for yeah. decades gee i wonder what could have happened in this country that might have people feeling scared <laughs> insecure in their jobs and housing taking desperate measures or also just being real fucking depressed and like i don't want to oversimplify nothing. this issue <laughs> but what is happening is that uh is that we see a totally predictable uh mm -hmm. absolutely like people knew this was coming like increase in violent crime as a result to a incredibly destabilizing event i mean right now we're talking about 4.2 million people in america that are either likely or somewhat likely to face eviction in the next two months uh we have the federal eviction moratorium that is scheduled to expire the day that we are recording june 30th they might find a way to extend it a little bit but a lot of the protections that have kept people in their homes poorly for the record there have been evictions this whole oh, yeah. time don't let anyone tell you that people have not been getting evicted this whole fucking time uh but these, these Band-Aids are about to be ripped off, and the people that they did help are about to be in a world of hurt. And all of this is happening now. But to hear the Democrats talk, the real reason that crime is rising is because white progressives kept yelling defund the police too much. <sighs> I, I, I am so tired. I am so tired of the Bernie bro defense that like... Yeah, read that Eric Adams quote because he, he name checks this man. He basically says it's Chapo's fault. 
<laughs> yeah, listen, if Chapo hadn't done a tour in the beginning of 2020, there wouldn't be all this violent crime. None I of think, this crime would happen. I think we can all agree Matt Chrisman is out there robbing people. That son of a bitch. The only thing he's stolen is my heart. That's true. I do love him. Um, I, I'm so... I found that incredibly disheartening, that section, that you have this, like, black cop in a, in a predominantly POC city be like, decide that, like, defund the police, which, by the way, was not a thing white people came up with. And until only very Wait, recently. What? what? I, this is the first I'm hearing of this. <laughs> you know, like, you can go back to Black Panthers before with uh, communities of color and particularly black communities being like, uh, get the cops the fuck out of here. This is, this, is a, this is a refrain from long ago. And to just tar anything to the left of Mitt Romney as essentially Will fucking Menneker is not only so tiresome, but I'm so sick of it because that's all they, that, it's lazy, but it's apparently effective enough. They're just like, uh, do you, do you hate this one guy you saw on Twitter once? That means you, we need cops shooting black people. And I'm just, we need more know, cops. Man. We need more cops to do the shootings. We, extra cops. And, and it's just. I'm really tired of it. I'm really tired of it. And it fundamentally misunderstands crimes we've talked about. I don't know if this is the place for it. But, like, you know what the most reliable indicator of crime is, Michael? Uh, if you're an owner because wage theft is the largest form of theft. But continue. <laughs> it's poverty. Yep. And in the last year, there, there might have been a trend with the greatest transfers of wealth to the 1% ever. I, I don't know. Maybe that has something to fucking do with it. You have millions of people off their insurance. You have millions of people who are, are not, who are going to be unhoused very soon. And, and yeah, you know, losing I, their jobs, have lost their jobs, had their hours cut, uh, struggling to stay in their home, already evicted from their home, uh, losing friends and family members. Like we are talking about, yeah. I think. I think these fuckers want to pretend like COVID didn't happen because it didn't happen to them. Uh, yeah, no, a, a million people died and millions of other people's lives were destroyed. And then, like, I think I think it's like fifty trillion, but it is it's many trillions of dollars moved in the hands of the billionaires from the oh, hands. Yeah. No, of it is it is. The, I think it was fifty nine trillion. Uh, and there was there was a tweet going around showing the increase in wealth in billionaires, and then a separate article talking about the, a very similar <laughs> amount of wealth being lost by the working class. And That's it's just crazy. like, gee, I wonder how these things happened. Uh, and they want to hire more cops. They, they want to hire they, more and, cops. And that's, that's it. That's the response to a complete societal breakdown is more cops. They and, failed you. They backed you into a corner. And now they want to come and tell you that they need to kill and beat and maim and police you more because you're the one that got out of line. Uh, and listen, we are not defending violent crime. Nobody wants people getting shot in the streets. Like, But we know that there are better solutions to this. We know this. This is known. Mm -hmm. We know what the solution is not is more fuckers doing the shooting with the weight of the government behind them. Like We know that these things don't help. And as evidence of that... None of these fuckers have been defunded. Why aren't you stopping this crime rise? If you're so good at fighting crime, you know, police budgets in most major cities hover somewhere around or even north of half of all the money. Like they get yeah. half of the money for Los Angeles, for Chicago, for New York, and they can't stop this. They can't do anything. This should be a moment where we can patently see police don't stop crime. They don't help. They only make things worse. They only exacerbate the issue. Like, nothing that these fuckers do is helping you. And as evidence of that, when the crime rises, they can't do anything except whine about it. 
Like, what yeah. the fuck? What are we talking about here? We are living in, a, in an upside down world where we can just pretend that these issues aren't clear and apparent before us. I'm losing my mind. I think that's part of why these articles are so connected to me, too. Like, is that, like, uh, you know, I, I have lived the last year in, in, a, in a major city, and uh, you know, there were all the riots after George Floyd. I, a million, I saw a million of my countrymen basically get murked by COVID. I, I saw family members get sick. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I... And the people rise up in the streets, and... There is something so uniquely poisonous about the Democratic Party being like, cool, we hear you. Gotcha. Okay. The party that failed you, the party that put you here. And, you know, again, we're not even really distinguishing between the parties at this point because both of them agree on this issue. Both of them failed us and both of them want more cops as a solution. And uh, but yes, go ahead. And they could just double. That's all they could do. They have one response. You know, it's it's the meme of like best we can do. You know, is is you know you have all these problems. Best we can do is more cops. More cops. And uh, I think there's a couple more <laughs> like minor notes I want to hit before we get to yeah. sort of conclusions. One of is course. that even when we're talking about uh, rising crime statistics, and we're not denying that this has happened for good sure. fucking reasons that this is happening. Yeah. But you know where crime statistics come from? Mm. They come from cops really (laughs) you know who checks on crime statistics independently verifies them make sure that like this is not a bunch of bullshit fucking no Uh, one who i feel like someone should do that no one does that maybe and maybe that no labels group could start paying for that or something now this is interesting for a couple reasons one because uh Let's bring this back to New York, because I think New York is actually a good synecdoche, even though I agree with you that in general, their politics are unique and should not be treated as national norms. Yes, so, yes, yes. But I, but I agree with that. Continue. Uh, New York, stop and frisk. Let's talk stop and frisk. Stop and frisk, uh, largely heralded Giuliani, uh, you know, multiple people like, oh, we have brought crime so low, so low. That's, that's what stop and frisk is doing. It's stopping crime from happening. Meanwhile, uh, you have... A lot of work going in in these police stations all across that city to massage crime. And because Mm -hmm. there was a political mandate, like crime has to go down. Not only does crime need to go down, crime needs to keep going down. And when nothing that they were doing was actually stopping these crimes from happening, uh, what they ended up doing was just lying about crime happening. And there, there's been some great reporting about the way like wow. sexual assaults got uh, pared down to nonviolent offenses, the way like uh, violent assaults would get, you know, turned into a misdemeanor. Like they did so mm-hmm. much because they have so much authority to just decide right. what it is they're seeing. They could just massage the numbers. And they're, you know, we're talking about like, uh, sex workers being beaten on the street and that being reported mm-hmm. as like a verbal altercation. Like we're, t- we're talking right. about like just truly repugnant lying about the crime that's happening because it was politically advantageous for them to do so. Uh, and now I would not be surprised if in this moment when uh, police are arguing to defend their budget and needing to say like, hey, you need us here. You need us, which, you know, for the record, Joe Biden right. agrees with them. Uh, yeah. But in this moment, if they just don't have to lie about the crimes that were already happening as much, like 
there is now a political incentive to make crime a bigger issue and say like, hey, we tried mm. it your way and it caused all of this terrible things, even though, again, none of these departments have been defunded. But when you hop on CNN and there was a great Citations Needed article about how this has been mm. a multi-decade approach of uh, like uh, CNN and liberal news media to like stoke crime fears. But you have a police unionist being on there being like, hey, you know what's causing this? Bail reform. Which is important because bail reform was the chit that uh, progressives got from Biden uh, uh, or yeah. the got in terms of like, hey, we want to defund the police. Eh, we'll give you some bail reform. And so now they know that if this keeps going, it's going to potentially really hurt them. They know how dangerous a national movement is. So they're coming hard after bail reform and they tell the same story every time. And you can find supercuts of people saying this all over all of the media that your liberal aunt watches. Uh, where somebody says, this police officer, he's arresting this person, and before the police officer even finishes his shift, that guy's back on the street. This bail reform is crap, it's dangerous. And what they leave out of that is that that person has not been convicted of any crime. They are, they are literally talking mm -hmm. about, we should just be able to hold people indefinitely until the trials that we're probably not going to get done because we're so backlogged from COVID. Like, they're not talking about people being found guilty and then released. Uh, they're talking about... If we arrest you for any reason, we should just be able to hold you. They're talking about holding Incredible. innocent people in jail and saying this is why you're seeing such a spike in violent crime because we can't just keep people in jail because we said so. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, not that the Constitution fucking matters, but that's violating a lot of things. Yeah, not great. Not great. And then the last point I have to make on fucking cop shit other than that uh, – a cab forever and always. Uh, I, I miss the days Fuck when we well. were burning police stations a little more regularly. Um, <sighs> yeah. Just warming my hands by the fire, making a little, making a little marshmallow Sammy. Um, <laughs> so the last thing I have to say on that is that for the Democrats, they are now trying to thread a needle, right? They yeah. want to be tough on crime. They want to be the tough on crime party. I mean, they got two fucking cops in the White House, so good on them, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but they also want to say, hey, this doesn't mean we can't reform them. We need to That's reform right. them. We're going to pass sweeping police reform legislation as if this hasn't been the Democratic line for the past 30 years and largely responsible for creating a situation where cops are tyrants in every city in America. Yeah, that is so amazing to just be like, listen, listen, we know this has been a problem to essentially have stormtroopers, shock troopers, Goose stepping through your streets. We get it. We hear you. What if some of them were black? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about what if like we we did this training by this like Italian white lady that says you shouldn't have racism in your heart? <laughs> have you considered that like that like maybe maybe the, these cops just need a hug? I think you should think about that. That's a, but I mean like I'm obviously I'm pushing some hyperbole, but not really. Like not their really. entire joke is like. That, like, what if cops were nicer? We're not going to take away their guns. We're not going to take away their tanks or their body armor or the fact that they're essentially troops and and, and occupying their own country. We're not going to we're not going to take that away. We're, we're just we're just going to have a diversity course at the top. The only they solution the they have is a seminar from some person. They're paying six or seven figures to show up and lecture people who hate them. Uh, for a weekend and then they can be like problem solved the police are fixed we we beat yeah. racism guys sign a form yep. sign a form racism's over yeah 
it's it's like Smokey the Bear, but for police brutality. Like, hey, sign the pledge, <laughs> purity pledge for for racism. Okay, purity pledge for racism is pretty good, but like that's honestly what they're doing. They like they really believe it's that simple. Like they have this like almost like comical belief. It's kind of similar. It, it's the same belief. That's why uh, as the bright of like. Look, listen, these 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 problems can never be systemic. Okay, right? Like the system isn't racist. They it's also can't be material. Like, they can't be material. It's just that some people in their hearts hate black folks, and that's a damn shame. And we should do something about that. And we can probably it's, lecture them better. Like that is wild to me. Even if you believe that premise, which like obviously there's a lot of racists, like why do you think a lecture from the most annoying people in the world will fix this? <laughs> why do you think hiring probably Alan Dershowitz to be like, hey, don't be racist will help? Yeah, it would be Alan Dershowitz. He's they're going to it's send a, Alan Dershowitz from police station to police station. They're gonna they're gonna get prison Mike. They're gonna, they're gonna bring him in from the <laughs> office to solve racism. Okay, that would be more effective than whoever they get. Oh man. No, it's true. It's it's really gross. And I I will say I don't think anyone that is peddling this as a solution actually believes that it is. I think of these people not. all know. But there are a ton of people that I have spoken to, and we all know my confession time on the podcast, I have a bad habit of getting into arguments with Libs on Facebook. Um, you've got to stop that that's i know it's not okay i actually have been doing much better i've been clean for uh, at least uh, 12 to 16 hours no Uh, i have been doing better about not (laughs) wasting my time arguing with people who don't believe true things uh but i hear this from them a lot that like there are the bad apples thing is alive and well on the liberal faux progressive the biden harris profile picture wing of the democratic party like yes. they truly believe police are good and they know this because they all fucking have an uncle who is one every single one of these fuckers has an uncle who is one and uh they don't love it when you say like all cops are bastards including your shitty uncle um, not even including especially especially your your shitty sucks uncle. i've met joe he sucks a tale of three joes uh Final note, uh, man, I keep saying that. Eric Adams, by the way, corrupt as hell. Uh, there, oh, there's been course. several He's investigations. Not, no, not just from the cop. He was also like a state senator or something. And there was a bunch of oh, yeah. shady shit around real estate holdings he has, around fundraising he took from people. It, he is openly, openly corrupt. And and here's here's the thing. I hate California politics, but New York politics is worse. Yeah, they they <laughs> and, just had more time to to perfect the evil, you know. There, it's, it's at least at least we don't have any Cuomos, you know. I think it's important to say that we have zero Cuomos, and and I'll take it, even though I hate Gavin Newsom. Yeah, and and when you say Cuomo, you mean literally somebody named Cuomo any, in that I family, because we have a lot of people that are like the Cuomos. <laughs> This is anti-Italian prejudice here. Any person with the last name Cuomo is not welcome in California. (laughs) Uh, I wish that was true. Yeah. uh, Uh, Eric Adams is a piece of shit. He's probably going to be the next mayor, and he'll just be Giuliani 4.0, whatever the fuck it is. Whatever fucking edition we're on this week. uh, New mayor just dropped. Different colorway. yeah it's 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 so pathetic and i think you know we 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 tie these two things together because i do think i have to say i'm wrong i have to i have to this is a confession michael this is this is about how zach fucked up uh you remember 40 minutes ago when i made fun of eric adams for calling himself the new face of the democratic party yeah yeah (laughs) 
uh, he was right about that. He was right. He was right. He is exactly the face that Joe Biden wants. Like uh, mm-hmm. the corruption, the beholden to corporate interests, and the uh, we're going to be tough on crime, uh, specifically so that we can own the Republicans. And I, I think this is maybe where we can leave it. Um, yes. Is that all of this is an attempt to stave off attacks from republicans being like oh look at all this crime in democratic run cities like look at all this crime and so instead of you know sticking to your guns or doing anything good democrats came back and they are going to keep trying to ride january 6th all the way through not just this election or the midterms this is going straight Mm -hmm. to the next presidential election of just like no you guys hate cops look at you guys not loving cops (laughs) see see right here see how you don't love cops uh and they are just playing that card hard that like, oh, you guys didn't support the American Relief Bill, which then we flipped the script on and said is now a police funding bill. Uh, but you guys didn't support it. So you guys don't support the troops, man. Um, which is just a fun race to the bottom of who can lick boot harder, faster and deeper. Well said. Well said. And it is these two things. Uh, Anyway, these two things together, I read them within like 24 hours of each other mm-hmm. and just full on went into a fugue state for about 12 hours, Walter yeah. White style. I was wandering around various gas stations naked, um, but that was after the fugue state. And <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was just to get some hot dogs, man. Yeah, yeah that was just cool. Um, and it just, yeah, it, it's, it's all things I knew, right? Like none of this is new information on some level. It's just, I think there was, it was just so slick. You know what I mean? It was just like the entirety of the Democratic Party is lined up behind the Republican Party, and they all work for the the same Oakmont Capital, whatever the fuck, blood guys there are. They all work for the same equity firms, and they all want a bunch more cops because cops protect the money that they stole from us to begin with, and and that's it. That's the American government was always beholden to this. This isn't new. But it was just like, man, but, there's not even a fig leaf on this. They're not even going to like give us any more bread and circuses. There's just no bread and circuses. There's just nothing. I genuinely <laughs> expected. I genuinely believed that we were going to get some more crumbs out of Biden. Like, mm. I, and I say that not as a compliment. Uh, didn't vote for him fucking forever. Uh, you know, part of the same problem. But I genuinely expected that he would play the game a little better and actually what yeah. has happened is he's gotten better than I expected at playing the game in press releases, playing the game in crafting language. I mean, I think, again, mm-hmm. that's what part of what makes this shift so notable. It's not that Democrats were ever anti-cop before. It's that they're right. openly changing their rhetoric to support of law and order, tough on crime. Like, that is a change in, in how they are expressing these things. But, like, largely they have been very effective at saying vaguely progressive-sounding things and then doing fucking all to actively continuing Trump administration, like, policies. Like, and I, I'm a little surprised at how immaterial the whole game is, and maybe that's on me for being naive and stupid. But this is right. literally just about what are the words we use to do the evil. Uh, And, and, you know, as we talked about, you know, the mean tweets of it all, like that is actually all Biden is bringing to the table is he's going to do all the same shit just without the mean tweets. That's all you get. That's all you get. And listen, if I have to choose between all the same evil shit and mean tweets or all the evil shit and no mean tweets, I don't know. Sometimes the tweets are pretty funny. I miss I miss learning new ways to be dumb and say <laughs> stupid things. I miss the jar I missed the Trump jargon. I'm sorry, I do. I think this like, is uh, Oh yeah, no. I 
Trump is an entertainer separate from Trump as a president. Unimpeachably. Uh, what a fucking <laughs> asshole. But uh, compelling. Compelling. Evil. Yeah. Compelling. Oh, he should be in prison being tortured for the rest of his life. But, I, oh, man, I miss him yeah. saying things in public. Uh, he shouldn't be in prison because we're prison abolitionists. He should just be in our closet. And whatever happens there happens. <laughs> parody. Parody. All in the game. Anyways. To bring this home, uh, it is it is more naked and more apparent than it ever has been. It is a bullet uh, right through the argument that this was about harm reduction. We are not seeing harm reduction. We are actively seeing campaigning on harm expansion. Like, and and I'm sure somebody out there listening is going to point at the three things that Biden did okay uh, to restore a status quo that is going to like push us off of cliffs in the climate disaster. But I I just can't stop losing my mind over how much these are all the wrong conversations like how effectively mm -hmm. the whole the whole of electoral politics is based around like how absurd the green new deal is in a world where we actually need far more than a green new deal to stop a climate disaster and, and republicans run against it i love they they blame things that they did on the green new deal that is so funny incredible it is it's fucking hilarious that in texas we're having you're like no I, no the green new deal that's that's hilarious yeah yeah they they, they blame the climate the the loss of power that they created on a thing that never happened just like they're doing with the police oh we have we have to give the police more money they can't stop crime uh we never took their money away they still have all the money what the fuck you know if only a good cop had been there to arrest Derek chauvin maybe george floyd would be alive <laughs> to this yeah. day if only there was a single good cop it's it's weird how there were like seventeen other cops on the scene. Oh yeah, they were they were playing backgammon right next to the dude. Yeah, that's not really a joke. It's just true, and like that's the thing. That's the thing. There, like, uh, it's not just this one. Like, libs want to tell you it was Derek Chauvin, but you need to like open your eyes and remember the three other cops that were on the scene. You need to remember the three other cops on the scene. You remember the chief that kept him on after his repeated violent offenses and other people right. he had murdered on the job. That's right. Uh, and you need to fucking remember that the senator from that fucking state who ran for president chose to not prosecute him after he'd already killed somebody else. Amy fucking Klobuchar's blood is also his hands are all over George Floyd. Absolutely. I... Derek Chauvin is every cop, including your shitty Uncle Joe. God damn it. Fuck you, Joe. Cannot deal with you right now. Get out of here, man. You can't say that at the dinner table. I don't have yeah, much so, more to I mean, say, except uh, yeah, I think we you, are. I think here's what I want to yeah, go ahead. We are going to uh, continue having the wrong debates. The debates about how much to fund the police instead of how we actually achieve any semblance of justice until either something radically changes uh, or we're all dead anyway. So um, that's sort of where yeah, I'm at with it. Uh, I, I think my final thought is there's a reason we don't talk much about sort of state politics in this country. Yeah. What is there to say? What is there to say? All, all these people are going to do is lie to you about what the problem is. And like that, for me, that's not a black pill. It's just a statement of fact no. on where electoralism will get us and uh, maybe should have us thinking about other solutions. Um, yeah, I think it's not any more black pill than I ever am. It's just like, it's it's a nice bit of clarity. If you know, if we think of cops, here, here's, here's how I can bring it home. If we think of cops as the people who are working for the elites who literally enforce with with you know, with violence and force uh, the status quo, mm -hmm. then not only are they they are all cops all the way up to Joe Biden, through Amy Klobuchar, through the vice president, all the way to Joe Biden. 
it's just a nation of cops. And so, you know, there's almost no reason to talk about the Democratic cops versus the Republican cops. It's all cops, baby. From the beat cop to the billionaire, they're all bastards. Mm. Let's leave it there. All right. Uh, on that happy and exciting note, thanks for another episode of Michael and Zach do the funny thing. Um, you can find uh, you can find me sobbing uh, desperately in my bathroom at at Michael Tabor on Twitter. I I don't have a joke for sobbing in the bathroom. I'm also sobbing in the bathroom yeah. next to Michael. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. At Zachary underscore Allen. Uh, follow the pod at shitty underscore pod. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, see y'all next week.